Welcome to the September 5th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is John chapter 16, verses 1 through 16, and the sermon is entitled, Our Connection to the Comforter, delivered today by Pastor Michael Fitzgerald. I want you to get your Bible. Turn with me right now to John, the 16th chapter. It's where we'll be today. We are going to continue in a sermon series that I started a long time ago, but we are moving step by step through this sermon series through the gospel of John and I can tell you that right now while we are in chapter 16 my study has taken me through the end of chapter 19 so I've kind of counted up the sermons and I think we are going to complete this sermon series either right shortly before Christmas or a few weeks right after Christmas so uh, we are seeing the end of the tunnel here but I have enjoyed this study I have enjoyed reading and rereading and digging deeper into the Gospel of John. This has been a marathon study for you and for me. And we realize that John defines his Gospel by saying that I am only giving you the essentials of Jesus' life. If I were to write down everything that Jesus did, the world could not contain the books. So I'm giving you the high points, the essentials to understand the life and the ministry and the love and the power of Jesus Christ, the Lamb and the Son of God. We're studying that gospel together. I've read this gospel for over 50 years, but I've learned so much in this last year or so that we've been studying it. So let me take you back in Scripture to make sure that everybody who joins us, from those who are streaming with us and those who are joining us maybe here in in the house for the first time in a while, let me take you back so we can get the setting of where we are in this Scripture. Back in John chapters 13 and 14, Jesus is spending the evening with his disciples in a private setting on the evening of Passover, the Israel celebration, the Israelite celebration of the freedom of Israel from slavery in Egypt. And so Jesus shares Passover with his disciples on that Thursday night. From that Passover meal, he draws the Lord's Supper, he washes their feet. He dismisses Judas Iscariot as his betrayer in that meeting on that Thursday night. He spends time preparing his disciples for the unthinkable. He knows a fact that his disciples do not know. On this Thursday evening of the Passover, they're celebrating freedom, and yet the next day they're going to see Jesus crucified on a cross. Jesus knows that fact very well. The disciples do not know what they are facing in the next 24 hours. So the Lord is preparing them for the horror and for the fear and for the aloneness that they're going to feel in the next day. Now as chapter 15 begins, Jesus then leaves that room with his 11 disciples. Judas Iscariot had been dismissed out. 11 disciples and Jesus leave that private setting and they begin a journey. And they're journeying well into the night toward the Garden of Gethsemane. That's the destination. We will talk about that destination when they get there. But at the, as uh, chapter 15 begins, Jesus leaves the room with his disciples, and they're traveling toward Gethsemane. And every step of the way, Jesus is teaching them and instructing them and encouraging them and helping them to understand what is coming in their life as they're moving toward Gethsemane. He assures them by saying, physically, it will not be long. I will not be with you. Physically, I will not be walking by your side. But I want to promise you this, men, as he talks to his disciples. While physically, I will not be with you, I promise you, I will never leave you. 
Physically, I won't be there, but I will always be with you because I'm going to live in you. The Holy Spirit is going to come and fill you. The Holy Spirit is going to be God himself living in your heart, instructing you, protecting you, giving you guidance from the inside out as the Spirit of God lives in your heart. You will never be alone. You will never be comfortless. You will never be unprotected. Through the Holy Spirit, through the Comforter, through the Parakletos, I'll be closer to you than I've ever been. I won't be walking by your side, but I'll be living on the inside of you. Remember the Holy Spirit. King James Version does a somewhat of a disservice here, although the language of the day was uh, perfectly normal. But when we call the Holy Spirit the Holy Ghost, sometimes we get an, an, an idea of a disembodied spirit or a ghost floating around. That is not the Holy Spirit whatsoever. The Holy Spirit is referred to in Scripture as He or Him. It is God Himself living in residence in our heart for the believer. Now, that's for the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. The unsaved do not have the Holy Spirit living in their heart. Only if you're a believer, a Christian walking the walk of Jesus Christ is the Holy Spirit living in you as you proclaim Him as your Lord and your Savior. So chapters 15, 16, and 17 of the Gospel of John capture Jesus' lessons to His disciples as they're walking toward the Garden of Gethsemane that night. So as we pick up here in chapter 16, verse 17, we've studied to this point, as the disciples are feeling their way along on the dark path that night, following the lead of Jesus, but the path is dark, the night is dark. It tells us in Scripture the night was dark that night, very dark. And yet, symbolically, we also understand that they're feeling their way spiritually in understanding what Jesus is teaching them, what Jesus is telling them, what Jesus is opening to them as to what their future is going to be. So these disciples are trying to understand and put in perspective everything that Jesus is teaching them on this night before the cross. They don't know what's coming tomorrow, but Jesus is teaching them. And so they're walking toward this greatest event in human history, and they're struggling to take it all in. Look at John 16 verses 17 and 18. John 16, go to verse 17. Then said some of his disciples among themselves, What is this that he saith unto us, A little while, and ye shall not see me, and again a little while, and ye shall see me, and because I go to the Father? They said, therefore, What is this that he saith a little while? We cannot tell what he saith. All right, let's see what's happening here. So Jesus is in the lead. He's leading them down this dark pathway toward Gethsemane. They are kind of walking behind him in step with him. And so they're having a discussion behind Jesus' back as they're walking toward Gethsemane. They're talking among themselves behind Jesus' lead. And they're saying, what does Jesus mean when he's telling us You'll see me for a little while, and then you won't see me for a little while. Then you'll see me again. What does he mean by all of that? We're not understanding. We just don't get what he means yet. Jesus is right in front of them leading the path, but they're discussing among themselves, saying we just don't quite get what he's saying as he's teaching us. Look at verse 19 of chapter 16. Now Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him, and said unto them, Do ye inquire among yourselves of that 
I said, A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see me. So, of course, Jesus is very well aware of this conversation that's taking place behind his back. He knows what they're talking about. He knows they don't understand. He knows they're not getting it completely yet. They don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. So they're struggling to understand, and Jesus understands that struggle. Let me step aside to say this. When you struggle to understand, Jesus knows your struggle. And he's going to speak to you through the Holy Spirit living in you to give you the guidance that he needs, to take you to the place in the Bible that will answer your struggle. He knows when we struggle. He, he knew when his disciples were struggling here. What he was telling them was monumental. What he was leading them to was unimaginable. They had no idea what was coming tomorrow. And Jesus knew his disciples just wanted to say, Lord, just explain what you mean here. We, we're just not getting it completely. We need your help, and we need your explanation. So Jesus speaks to help them. Look at verses 20 through 23. John 16, look at verse 20. Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. And ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. And ye now therefore have sorrow, but... I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Well, as we look at those verses, as you back up to verse 20, you'll notice that he begins with the words, verily, verily you've been with me through this sermon series, you know that those words mean this is an important statement coming. Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you. This is a truth of God that Jesus is going to speak to his disciples. So anytime you see those two little flag words, you pay attention to what Jesus says because it's going to be very, very important. So he says, in just a few hours, disciples, you're going to weep. In just a few hours, you are going to grieve. You're going to suffer loss like you've never suffered loss in your life before. But as you grieve, the world is going to rejoice. When Jesus died on the cross, the disciples were going to be plunged into a sorrow like they had never felt before. But the world would rejoice his death. The Jewish religious leaders who hated Jesus because he had pointed them out as fakes and phonies and godless, those religious leaders who hated him and planned his death were high-fiving that Jesus would die on the cross. Pilate and the Roman government were, would be relieved that Jesus was now done for and had died on the cross. All the trials and all the pressure and all of the problems that he caused are now over because he would die on a cross. Hell itself would be throwing a party because the Lamb of God, the Son of God, had died on a cross. So Jesus says, disciples, you who know me will grieve, but the world will rejoice. 
my death. But I want you to notice what Jesus says to his disciples. When all is said and done, your deepest grief is going to be turned around and transformed into the highest joy. You know, there's a verse of Scripture, and I, I imagine many of you know this verse. It's from Psalm 30. Uh, and as we think about this verse, it is verse 5 in Psalm 30. It says, Weeping may tarry for the night, or weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. So, weeping over a situation will tarry over a night, but joy will come as God touches it and transforms it and makes it the plan that he wants it to be. After Jesus died, these disciples did not completely realize at this point that they would see him again in resurrection, that they would have him again living in their hearts as the Spirit of God. So in John chapter 16, verse 21, Jesus gives this wonderful, beautiful illustration. I smile every time I read this verse of Scripture. For those of you who have been through the birth of a baby, this Scripture verse has got to make you smile. Look at verse 21 again as I reread it. A woman, when she is in travail, hath sorrow because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. That verse takes me back over 30 years. Gwen is shaking her head. She knows this is coming. Gwen, my wife, laid in a hospital bed ready to give birth to our first child. So this was her first experience with birth. I was by her side. It was my first experience being with somebody who was giving birth. So both of us were in a new environment. We'd never been there before. And Gwen was going through these waves of contractions and pain. And may I say to you, though she is sitting on the front row looking directly at me, may I say to you, she was not in a good mood that moment. <laughs> now, she was having these contractions and these pains and... I wanted to help her along. Now, I had taken a Lamaze class. I went into this class thinking it was Lamaze. I came out knowing it was Lamaze. But I had taken this class where men are supposed to help their spouse in this particular moment of life. And I wanted to be supportive of her. And they taught me in Lamaze. I had my degree. I had graduated from Lamaze. And I was taught in Lamaze that I was supposed to help her by counting through the contractions in her ear. I was to help her through that contraction by counting. So I knew what I was doing, so I got up close to her ear, and I started counting. When she was in this pain, I started to one, two, three, four, you're doing good like I knew what I was doing. And the doctors and the nurses were encouraging her in the other ear. Well, I, I must tell you, even in her pain, she was very polite to them. <laughs> she basically told me to shut up in that infernal counting in that ear. She did not want to hear me counting in her ear, and I did 
stop counting. Because I did not know if her next action would involve a fist or pulling my hair. I wasn't sure, but I knew I needed to be quiet. She was not in the mood to be irritated. But when Carrie Joy, our daughter, was born that day, there was a huge turnaround of relief and joy when that little girl came into the world and everything from that moment forward was better. And I remember this verse of Scripture very well. Here's the baby. Gwen was a different person. Her agony and her pain and her contractions had been transformed into joy that that little girl was in the world. So listen, here's Jesus teaching. And it absolutely is very important. Oftentimes, the Lord Jesus does not change our situation, but he transforms it to be his will. Write that down. If you're taking notes, write it down. Often he doesn't change our situation, but he transforms it to be his will. He may not take your trials away. He may not take my trials away. But he will somehow transform them into joy if we follow him. That's the word of the Bible. He may not deliver you and me from a life-threatening illness that comes our way. But as we get through it, he transforms the illness into an appreciation of every day of life that he gives us. He transforms the fear into thanksgiving because we see his will played out in our life. The Lord can take a deep, deep trial in a marriage and heal it and transform it so that that couple will love each other more than they ever have before. And I've seen it happen many times over these 40 years. The Lord can take a life that is so saturated in sin and guilt and lostness and transform that life into power and blessing and purpose through the touch of a Savior who moves into that person's heart. The Lord doesn't just change a life. The Lord transforms a life. We learn in the Bible that the Lord doesn't just make us turn over a new leaf. He gives us a new life. He transforms us. So the life in Christ is not really built so much on changing our pain, but rather he transforms it into the strength to see our victories through it. Our God is a transforming God, and he was going to transform the, 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 the agony and the pain and the fear of his disciples into joy one day. And he's assuring them that it's going to happen. He assures us that it's going to happen. 2,000 years has not changed his character at all. It's still the same good news that we study here that applies here in our lives. That's absolutely the truth. So here's the big point. If he's going to transform us, we have to be surrendered to him. We have to allow him to have control of our life. We have to allow him the leadership in our lives that he will take us where he wants us to be in every segment, in every joy, in every trial of our life. He has a will and a plan for that. We have to surrender to him. You have to allow him to be the leader, not part-time, but full-time in our lives. I'm still working in that direction too, by the way to allow him to be the leader all the time. I have so many situations in life I said, Lord, I think I can get through this by myself. He needs to be the leader all of the time. For his disciples, their fear and their trembling at the cross would one day come to joy 
when they saw him in resurrection. So Jesus is telling them, no matter what you see, disciples, in the next 24 hours, no matter what comes your way, trust the Father. No matter what you see in the next 24 hours, remember, God has a plan. You're going to go through the worst, but he's going to, through his plan, make it the best. He's going to transfer your pain into joy because humankind can be saved and given a home in heaven. He can transform the situation, and God is going to be in the process of doing that as you see what happens tomorrow. So follow him, disciples. He will get you through. He will give you the strength. He will give you the guidance. He will give you the hope. Just follow him. Don't take your eyes off of him. Follow him, and he'll bring you to joy. Well, as the group continues walking, Jesus comes back to a topic that he's already discussed with his disciples. This topic is so important to them, so crucial to them, it is also very crucial to us in that he teaches them and he's teaching us once more about the importance and the effectiveness of prayer. He's taught and taught his disciples. He's taught us. He's reteaching us again about the importance and the effectiveness of prayer. Look at verses 23 through 28 of John 16. Go to verse 23. And in that day, ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, there are the words again. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly the Father. At that day ye shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loveth you because ye have loved me and have believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father and am come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. If you go back to verse 23, you'll notice that Jesus begins by saying, and in that day, what day? And in that day, what day ahead is he referring to? He's talking about the day that the Holy Spirit will live in their hearts. Remember, the Holy Spirit is not taking up residence in the disciples' lives yet. Jesus is referring to the day ahead of them when the Holy Spirit would be given to them and God himself would be living in them, in residence in them. That's a truth for today. Now, if you know Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit of God, this moment, lives in you. If you have invited Jesus to be your Savior and you've entrusted your life to him, the Holy Spirit already lives in you. Now, all of us are different people. All of us walk different paths of life. But there's one essential thing that joins us and connects us and binds us together as the church body. The Holy Spirit lives in us. And he connects us together. And he shows us his love. And in essence, we then are showing each other his love that's residing in us. We give it to one another. We take it out into the world because the Holy Spirit is showing us how to love. He's loving us from the inside. So the Holy Spirit is coming. It has not come at this point. Acts chapter 2, after the cross, after the resurrection, after Jesus ascends back to heaven, the Holy Spirit comes upon believers and comes upon the newborn church as God himself will live in every single believer at that moment forward when the Holy Spirit is given to the church. It's still a truth for today. 
So we have to understand this, that God loves to answer prayers when we honor his son. Why do you pray through Jesus the Savior when you end a prayer? Because God honors the prayer that honors his son living in you. God loves to hear his son honored by his children. We have the Father's ear when we use the way of his son to bring our prayers to God the Father. Underline verse 27. And if you, as you underline it, circle the word because. I looked in every translation I could find, and the word because is in every translation I can find in verse 27. For the Father lo himself loveth you because ye have loved me and have believed that I came out from God. God loves us because we love and entrust our life to Jesus Christ, his Son, our Savior, the one who went to the cross, rose from the grave. He loves us through his son because of his son. So Jesus is helping his disciples understand that he came from God. And though they don't know it yet, he's going to the cross tomorrow because it's the plan of God. He's going to give salvation and forgiveness to the world through that cross because it's the love of God. And he will return back to heaven to be in the glory of God. So as Jesus relates this truth to his disciples, the light begins to come on in their heads. You know, back at the beginning of where we were reading, they're saying, we don't quite understand this. Lord, can you explain it to us a little more? Now the light's beginning to come on as we get into these verses. They don't understand it all, but they're fully coming to understand that this indeed is the Son of God. And he is going to give us life everlasting, and they are to love him and they're to give their lives to him. Their understanding, their relationship with Jesus is going to be long-term and is going to be as deep as they surrender their lives to him. Well, let's look at the last verses for today. Verses 29 through 33. His disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. Jesus answered them, Do ye now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. I love those words. Underline them. I have overcome the world. Listen to what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, this whole world we live in, it was true in the disciples' day, it's true in our day. This whole world in which we live, is full of hatred and greed and strife and disagreement. And every day that you and I walk in this world, we confront the false gods of money and power. And truly, this is not an easy place in this world to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. This world is not an easy place to be a witness for Jesus. He told his disciples that. He's telling us that. 
It takes character. It takes courage. It takes boldness. It takes a willingness never to compromise our stand in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's not always easy. Jesus warns his disciples, it will not always be easy for you. He's warning us as well. But as he tells them that, the disciples have no question that this man is indeed from God. This man is the Savior. And Jesus affirms that in verse 31. Do you finally know, do you finally understand? I am the Son of God. But then Jesus says, even though you know I'm the Lord and the Savior, I want to warn you. In the next few hours of your life, you're going to be terrified. And you're going to be disillusioned and scattered. And you're going to watch an event. And as you watch it, most of you will be in hiding because of it. You'll be too scared to stand with me in the moments that you're going to go through in the next 24 hours. But he said, I won't be alone because the Father is going to be there with me. Look at verse 33, last verse of the chapter. These things have I spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So even as you watch the cross, disciples, even when you face punishment in this world, he's warning them because most of them are going to die martyrs' deaths one day soon. Even as you face punishment, I want you to have peace. I want you to be settled and secure in what you believe. And I want you, he says, in, as it's translated in the King James Version, be of good cheer. Other versions say, have courage or have confidence even in those hard days. Because here's the crowning thought of the Gospel of John. Jesus has overcome this world. Jesus has overcome our troubles. Jesus has overcome our challenges. And in him we will be victors and we will find a home forever. I want you to listen. Jesus says this old world is a, is a hard place to be. But he says, I want you to step back from all the noise and all the confusion and all the news that you hear from the world and all the bad things that you hear coming out of the world. Step back from that. It's all real. It's all happening. But Jesus said, I've used, I'm going to use two rough pieces of wood and a large stone that's been hollowed out as a grave that will be used temporarily. I'm going to use a cross and an empty grave to overcome it all. I will be the Savior of the world. And you can have peace in that, security in that, strength in that. What Jesus is saying here is only I can give people comfort and blessing and courage for life. Only I can do that. This world can't give you that. It will give you something that might satisfy you, but it will be very temporary. And one day it will leave you. You will not have it forever. Anything the world gives you that brings you temporary happiness is going to leave you. That's his promise. Only I can give you lasting peace. Jesus said only I can give you the guidance that's not overwhelmed by the mess of this world. We're in a mess in this world. <laughs> Our world is in a sad shape. But Jesus says if we can step back from that, just realize you don't have to be overwhelmed by that because I've overcome it. I live in your heart 
and it's only in me that you're going to have peace. Nowhere else will you find it in the world than coming to me as Savior and allowing me to live in your heart and following me, surrendering to me. There's peace, and it's the only place you'll find it. Nothing else will give you that kind of peace. Believers, there's no such thing as following the Lord Jesus Christ and conforming to the ways of the world. You can't do both. It's one or the other, and they're mutually exclusive. You're either going to follow Jesus Christ with all you have, and you're all in, or you're going to follow the world with all you have, and you're all into the world. You cannot blend the two. So believers, my question, if you're streaming today, my question, my stream, my, my question in the house is, are we all in with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, with the one who's going to set the footsteps for us and give us the hope and the peace that we need? My prayer is that we will rededicate our lives to him. It was the message to the disciples, and it's the message to us today. You're going to face challenges, but I promise you in the end, you'll have joy and you'll have peace. I pray that we will rededicate our lives to living for him and him alone, believers. Streaming in the house, FM signal, wherever you are today, rededicate your life to him and him alone. You have to live in the world. Yes, we have to pay our bills. Yes, we have to make a paycheck. We have to do all those things, but don't let it be your God. Allow Jesus Christ to be your God, your Savior, your Lord. And if you don't know him as your Savior, take that step of true security and peace today. This is the end of the sermon, but if you've never come to Jesus as Savior, come to him today. He truly went to a cross, shed his blood as the perfect Lamb of God to take your sin away. He took your place and my place on the cross that we might be forgiven. He's waiting for you. He's encouraging you. He wants you to come. If you're streaming in a living room or a kitchen or a car, he wants you to come right now, this moment. In the house, he wants you to come to this altar. Just bow down to him and say, Lord, I want to give my heart to you as my Savior. And after I bow down, I'm going to stand up and live for you and worship you and serve you. I pray you'll make that decision today. A healing, a church home, whatever you need, he meets us right here. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for these moments. Lord, thank you for these words that you give us through the gospelist of John. Lord, I pray that you will help us to know that you don't always deliver us from pain. I'm sure that there are people who are listening today, many, many of whom are in some form of pain, some form of hurt, it may be an emotional pain that they've carried for a long time, a physical pain or a disease. Sometimes, Lord, although we don't completely understand it as human beings, we know it is in your wisdom to allow us to walk through those things, but you promise us we'll never walk alone when we know you as our Lord and our Savior. And you can take every one of our pains and our hurts and transform it to a victory. I can't explain that. Only the mind of God can explain that. But I know it's true. I know it's according to your word, and I've seen it happen many, many times in other people's lives and in my own life as well. Help us to be all in as believers in Jesus, surrender to you, witnesses for you, living in this world that needs you. Father, for that one who's never come to Jesus as Savior, the invitation is wide open today, and Jesus is ready to receive that man or that woman, boy or girl, as his son or daughter. May they make that decision right now in this moment. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name.
Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.